Hello and welcome to NWR Newscast, episode number 60 for Saturday, July 9th, 2011. I am going to be your host this week. My name is Andy Gergen, and with me I have Mr. Zachary Miller. What's up, y'all? How's it going, Zach? Going pretty then, well. Joining us back again this week is Mike Sklen, Striker Heidi Ho, Ranger Ruse. Woohoo! <laughs> Neil, unfortunately, is absent this week. He had to go attend to a friend's uh, 21st birthday party or something like that. Yeah. Um, so to get he, his drink on. Neil's out getting uh, getting shit-faced, and we're <laughs> sitting at home recording a video game podcast. Shows you what our priorities are, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so we're going to kick it off with, with some news. Now, it's not like a, a ton of hard-hitting news this week, but we have a little bit of stuff to talk about. And then we'll move on to, to the games that we have been playing in the past week. Uh, spoiler alert, they're the same ones we were playing last week. <laughs> so uh, let's kick off the news with this little interesting bit that came out today. There's apparently a uh, Pokemon application coming to the iPhone OS store and the Android marketplace, um, which is fascinating, really, considering all of the horrible, horrible things that Iwata and Reggie have said about the devaluing effects of those yeah. particular marketplaces. Yeah, the uh, the game is called, let's see, according to um, Brian Ashcraft, Echo Taku, according to his translation, it is called Pokemon Say Tap BW. <laughs> of course. I, <I'm, laughs> and there's a question mark after tap, so Pokemon Say Tap BW. Is this coming out in uh, North America, or is this a Japan-only thing? I, I assume it's Japan-only. It is, according to the translation... Uh, it is it uses music and on-screen Pokemon cards in a timing game, so it sounds like some sort of rhythm, uh, rhythm game coming out this summer. Uh, it will be free. <laughs> um, it doesn't say officially who's publishing it, but um, Touch Arcade had a a good point that they made in their reporting of the story that it's probably not going to be directly published by Nintendo, um, mostly because Nintendo hates the app store right <laughs> they they suppose and i think it makes a lot of sense that the game will probably be published by the pokemon company which yeah. is the company that i guess nintendo spun off um to control the marketing and licensing of pokemon right still though like you've got to believe that if nintendo was wholeheartedly against this idea it probably wouldn't be happening so someone at nintendo is has given this the okay yeah, def someone at Nintendo must have given it the okay. So it's like it's not published by Nintendo except for the fact that it is because the company that's publishing it is basically a subsidiary of Nintendo. It's interesting because I, I can't think of the last time that Nintendo published a game on what was essentially a rival system. Um, oh, I guess right. the last time I can think of that would have been like, what, the Atari 2600 when they published Donkey Kong? <laughs> like, that's, they, that's they bizarre. Must, they must realize it's, they could make some, oh, it's free, never mind. Well, it could be, you know, a freemium game where you pay to access more content. That could be. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out their motivation. Like, why wouldn't they put this on the eShop? Yeah. That's, I mean, if there was no eShop, I would understand. Maybe they just want to get Pokemon on everyone's phone, so they're constantly being reminded of Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, that's about the only reason I can think of why they'd want, they, they just want to have the brand to be more pervasive. I mean, there's, there's no denying how pervasive, although I, I should be... Clear. I don't really have any real feel for how pervasive it is in Japan, but in America, Pokemon? there's no, no, not Pokemon, Pokemon the uh, iPhone app store or oh, just, well, it's going to be on Android also, but right. Yeah. I, iPhones are, I guess from what I've heard, my friend in, in Japan said they're, they're fairly popular. I'm not sure if they're the number one handset like they are in most other places, but they're popular enough. Mm. Yeah. 
it's a it's an interesting move, and who knows if the game will be any good. I mean, it, it's all kind of all bets are off when it's not really being published by Nintendo, and I wonder if there'll be a, a seal of quality anywhere in the uh, in the application. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot what that is. Yeah. Uh, you know, they could make a, a good rhythm uh, Pokemon game would be kind of Patapony because it could be Pika, Pika, Pikachu. <laughs> It'll also be interesting to see if maybe this does get localized and put in the eShop because I honestly cannot see Reggie allowing <laughs> this to happen in, in America. We should, we should start a letter writing campaign. Absolutely. Project Snowfall. I got nothing. Project, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's that move called where you make it rain? Uh, Project Rain Dance. Project Rain Dance. That's, uh, that's According lovely. To this very tiny screenshot. It looks like it says copyright 2011 Pokemon, copyright 95 to 2011 Nintendo slash Creatures Incorporated slash Game Freak Incorporated. Um, so who knows yeah, who's who publishing knows? it? Kind of feels like one of these things where like some young marketing exec for po- for the Pokemon company decided to do this and Nintendo probably doesn't like the idea but is going to let them try it and see what happens. Yeah. At the very Maybe. least it's listed on pokemon.co.jp so on some level it is, you know, firm endorsed by Nintendo, right? There you go. All righty. Well, there's not much to say about that because we don't really know what's going on with that. Um, I'll be very curious to see what this looks like as it gets closer to being an actual thing and not just a thing we're talking yeah. about. Well, yeah. I guess one other interesting thing to me is that the it says that it's it has something to do with tapping on Pokemon-themed cards. So I'm wondering if, if these are cards that are related to the Pokemon training card game, maybe? Which that would make a lot of sense, not. actually. Or it might not be at all. Who knows? That would make a lot of sense. But is I mean, that game big in Japan? I don't, I don't know. know if it exists it's got to be bigger actually. there than it is here, because here it's kind of going away. It's probably gone away a long time ago. I assumed anything that was popular Pokemon related in North America probably was popular in Japan first. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was. I don't. I don't even know if if the only the only caveat would be are trading card games in general popular in Japan. If they are, I'm know. sure Pokemon is a huge one. If they're not, then I bet no one plays it. I seem to recall Pokemon being one of the very first ones to hit it big after Magic yeah, back in yeah, like really. the mid '90s. Well, look, I, I've never got played Yu-Gi-Oh! it. Yu-Gi-Oh! And I can't yeah, think of true. any others right now. Yeah, I yeah. mean they have trading top games, so. All Good bets point. are off. They've got games where you collect things and bring them to an arcade and put them on like a virtual card table. <laughs> yeah, so right. yeah, good good point. <laughs> I'd forgotten about those. Well, let's move on to the the next news story. Um, contains contains that's the wrong word. Let's move on to the next news story, which per- pertains to Super Meat Boy coming to 3DS or the lack thereof. Boy, Apparently. Despite the fact that Team Meat had claimed earlier um, in the year to have a 3DS developer license, they don't actually have a development kit. And in a recent interview, they basically came out and said they have no real interest right now in in porting Super Meat Boy to the 3DS, which Mm. is really disappointing because that game is perfect for a handheld. It is. I I haven't played a ton of it. I have it on Steam, and I've only played maybe the first, like, world worth of levels because I'm just not usually sitting by my computer with a gamepad and, like, looking for something to do. I really should just pick it up for Xbox Live and, and play more of it that way. But oh, yeah. Damn, I guess they that have a game new, is good. I guess they have a new game they're working on right now, and they've kind of put Meat Boy behind them for now. Um, and their new game doesn't really seem to fit the 3DS, they said. So it's unfortunate. It seems kind of like they, they were really burned on Nintendo with the WiiWare version not really working out. Yeah. And I guess maybe they're just kind of done with that for now. Which is really too bad because I mean Meat Boy was originally a WiiWare exclusive. They were all gung ho Nintendo, and it just kind of seems like the whole WiiWare experience really just 
turn them completely the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it it would be a really good fit. I would I would buy that game pretty much right away, and I don't buy a lot of games right away. <laughs> I think if, if, for people who haven't played uh, Meat Boy and don't have a Xbox, you should go buy an Xbox. <laughs> and for then that Meat game? Boy. That, I would okay. have to play this game because I own an Xbox and I have not played it. Oh, it's so good. It's a little pricey, but it's so good. That's the thing is it's always been just pricey enough to keep me away, except for the one time it was on Steam for like three and a quarter. Yeah. What is it? Is uh, it like 1,200 points or something? 1,200 points. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh. it's just right out of the range of impulse buy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, I almost bought Tim Schafer's game stacking. I saw that it's on sale for half off on Xbox Live right now. Wow. So it's only 600 points, but only for gold subscribers. And I just let my subscription lapse like two months oh, ago. Yeah, I don't use sucks. Xbox Live Gold. Like the only game I play on my Xbox is Rock Band 3. Yeah. So I don't need Xbox Live really. I actually just got a second Xbox. Um, I posted, I, I, I've just done some rearranging of my entertainment centers because like before oh, I had basically right. an upstairs one and a downstairs one and I wasn't going downstairs enough even though that's where all my good my, my good TV and my Xbox and PS3 was I was just I, I like being upstairs in my room with my living room with more light coming in the windows so I decided oh, that's dumb so I rearranged everything so now I have all my systems on one TV again in the room I spend most of my time in um, but the problem with that is now the other room doesn't have any way to watch Netflix on the TV. So you bought so I, a whole Xbox? Well, no. I posted on Twitter. <laughs> hey, hey, dear Twitter, what is the what is the cheapest, the absolute cheapest way to get Netflix on a TV? And of course, every single person on my Twitter feed Twitter feed replied and said, "Well, the game systems you already own, of course." And to which I replied, "Thank you. I I knew that." Um, <laughs> what I was really looking for was like a a new thing. <laughs> The, um, um, if you haven't, if you don't have the answer yet, it's either a Roku box or an Apple TV. Right, yeah. and I, I I knew that going in, but I I was looking for something like dirt cheap. Like I know that you can get a box for about sixty bucks. Yeah. But I was actually okay, looking, yeah. and and I was hoping, but not really expecting there was a cheaper way. Um, my friend Grant, former staff writer Grant, was actually going to sell me his his secondary Roku that he had forgotten he even had for like thirty. But then, at the same time, a friend of mine had a third. Xbox that they were just holding on to because the disk drive doesn't work at all. And they were thinking about repairing it, but they already had two other Xboxes because her husband used to work for Microsoft. Um, and they were like, you know, we have this, we're using this, this somewhat busted Xbox as like a paperweight in the garage. Uh, do you want it? So I totally just got a free Xbox oh, with a broken perfect. drive. So, <laughs> nice. but I, what, what, what I am learning now is the joys <laughs> of uh, Microsoft Xbox profile management. I basically uh, have to move my profile back and forth on a thumb USB thumbstick between the systems. Oh. I can't log into both, like just sign into my account and then log into Netflix. In fact, I'm almost positive I can't actually use Netflix on both systems without like reassociating my Netflix account every single time I, I try. You might nice. be able to change your Xbox account to a family account. That might work. Maybe. Actually, what I'm kind of hoping is that in the very near future, supposedly, Microsoft's going to go to this uh, cloud-based thing. Right, and I'm kind of right. hoping that will just solve solve all of my problems. So uh, if that does it, then that, that's great. In the meantime, I'll just probably use my PS3 for the upstairs TV and the secondary Xbox for the downstairs TV, and yeah. that will solve my problems. But hmm. anyway, I, I thought that was interesting, the way I have to like – I basically spent like an hour today rearranging – because I don't use a hard drive on my Xbox at all. I got the 4-gig uh, the non – hard drive model oh. uh the, the slim one and uh so i use two 16 gig thumbsticks instead mm -hmm. 
because I had them lying around and I wasn't using them for anything else. Um, so I spent all of my time today, like or like an hour of my time today, rearranging it so all of my non-disc required content was was with my profile on one USB stick. <laughs> like all of my Xbox Live Arcade games and my profile were all on one, so I can just bring it upstairs and downstairs and play some games on one, even though they don't require discs. But anyway, there you go. Hopefully it won't be a problem for very much longer. Anyway, I really should get Meepoy and play through that. Oh yeah. The long the long way around that story. Oh yeah. Uh, the next news story we got up is something uh, real quick. Apparently, uh, Final, Fan- Final Fantasy three slash six is now on Virtual Console, and that's kind of a big deal, I think. I heard, because... yeah, I heard a lot. I heard a lot of people maybe think this game's pretty good. Yeah, apparently it's uh, kind of a, kind of a big deal. Maybe you didn't hear. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Uh, we were talking about this before the show started. Like, if, if you were to like pull ten gamers back in like two thousand and six, what games they wanted on the Virtual Console? I think this would probably be the last one that's on everyone's list that hadn't already hit. Because it just it's like the, the one of the one of the very last really big hitters that I think yeah. everyone assumed that it wasn't going to happen because we're, we're going to get a, a DS remake and the DS remake never happened clearly so maybe maybe still on 3DS who knows but either way I'm actually pretty excited about it I haven't bought it yet but I'm thinking this is the this is the only Final Fantasy I've ever gotten pretty close to beating so I'm thinking I may actually pick this up and go is back to it Chrono Trigger on Virtual Console yep. yes okay. I was gonna, that's probably the only other one because I know Square Enix has put that out of DS. Final Fantasy IV 2 is also, I believe. So all of the North American Final Fantasies are now on there, including Mystic Quest and Chrono Trigger and Mana, Secret of Mana. Uh, Secret, of, Secret of Evermore is not on there, but I'm pretty sure that's the only other Square Enix 16-bit release that I can think of. I like and Evermore. Was de- the, Evermore was developed in America, right? Might have like been, yeah. Was. I think Might that was been. the one that was. Boy, yes, the... Um, I still Don't... remember the commercial for Secret of Evermore with that chanty voice going, Secret of Evermore. <laughs> I don't know why. I remember. That's stuck in my head. Like, I don't remember that at all. Kid. That's funny. I, I guess the... Totally um, wrong. I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube to confirm that it exists now. Are any of the Dragon Quests on Virtual Console? No. Dra- Dragon Warriors? Maybe that, no. I guess that would be the next thing then. But it's nice to see that a, that a big, big name game can occasionally still hit the Wii Shop. Yeah. I used to have the uh, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 1 and 2 Game Boy Color game, uh, but I lost it a long time ago. I still wish I had it. Nice. Those are good games, I mean, despite being ancient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, not much to talk about there. It's a good game. If you have never played Final Fantasy 3 or 6 before, just be aware that m- many people consider it to be the best Final Fantasy game, and those that don't are probably wrong, <laughs> in in my opinion. Um, next up, we got the Club Nintendo Awards. The uh, the, the platinum and uh, gold award rewards for this year just just were announced, and like most years, they're kind of underwhelming. Uh, first off, we got for platinum awards, we got a 25 commemorative pin collection in six decorative boxes. They're really more so, like buttons. Yeah, they're yeah, basically yeah. just yeah buttons, and they come in like these. The boxes actually look kind of cooler than the buttons, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, the box is pretty cool. And to be fair, I guess a lot of people are complaining about this pin reward thing. About it, you know, like you have to spend like 600 points is probably close to about like a thousand bucks, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, oh, we're gonna reward you with this pin set. Like that. That I mean, last year it was that Mario statuette. I don't know how much that thing would run for. You know, if you were to buy it retail. But it just yeah, a lot. (laughs) 
I think I saw Neil talking to I think it was Billy, but might have been you, Mike, on Twitter about he was pretty pretty convinced that there would be a Zelda themed. That was me. I yeah. was. I mean, last year was Mario's 25th anniversary, so yeah. and it was a Mario statuette. This year, it's Zelda's 25th anniversary. It only makes sense for there to be some sort of Zelda thing. I was putting, uh, you know, a lot of my faith or guess into it being an, <laughs> an actual ocarina. Oh, that would be cool. Which would I would even take like a. I would even take, take like, like a Triforce and Master Sword little figurine. That'd be kind of cool. Or even that yeah, crummy little plastic ocarina that they got in Australia. Yeah. Something better than a freaking commemorative pin set. No, like... But a lot of people always ironically complain that Japan gets way better stuff for Club Nintendo. Um, and Jeremy Parrish um, pointed out in an article on 1UP that this pin set was actually a Club Nintendo Platinum reward that was released in Japan like a year or two ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a repurposed set that is getting rid of the rest of them or they're ordering more of them or something. So yeah. no one can really complain because they're all saying they want the shit that Japan gets and this is something that Japan got and now they're all complaining about it anyway. So like this is... In the, but it's in the, probably the worst Platinum reward Japan ever got. It's got to be, to be the worst reward anyone's ever given out for anything. Like they gave out uh, those... SNES controllers that worked with your Wii last year in Japan. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, every year, platinum yeah. reward I have is Mario themed. There's the Mario hat, the Mario figurine, and now this Mario pin set. I wonder if they're ever going to do another franchise for their, you know, I mean, they have a lot to work with. Why stop giving me Mario? Yeah. Well, they yeah. do call it club Mario in Japan and in Europe. Oh, really? I think so. Well, I know in Japan it's club Mario. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is in Europe too, but here it's Club Nintendo. Of course, the oh. uh, gold the gold reward this year is calendars again. Again, uh, this is no. actually the first year I'm pretty sure that you can choose whichever reward you want if you're platinum. I think you could uh, last year. I seem to remember you could do it last. You year. definitely couldn't in '09 because I asked no. about it because I was the the option in '09 was either if you were platinum you got Doc Lewis's Punch Out or the hat or the hat. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't I, I remember getting yeah. the choice. I was like, I don't want that. But the calendars looked really nice, and I sent them an email like, hey, can I get the calendars? I'm platinum. But they were like, no, sorry. <laughs> well, I chose the calendar this year because I don't know what the hell I would do with the pins. They would sit on a shelf and be forgotten. A calendar, I, got, I, I can at least pins. hang I'm up putting, and look I'm, at. I, I got no shame. I'm tell, I'll put them on eBay. <laughs> I put Doc Lewis's punch out on eBay, and I got like 40 bucks for it. That's probably not a bad idea, and if I had thought about it, I would have gone the same way, but it didn't cross my mind. <laughs> Also, I have enough calendars, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I, I had a really nice Nintendo Power one last year, but... Oh, you know what? I bet they let you choose this year because every other year they've let you choose between two platinum rewards, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're so right. This year there's only one platinum reward, so they're getting you the option of choosing the gold calendars. Ugh, it's starting to become really not worth the time of filling out these surveys, I've got to say. That's, yeah, that's kind of true. It's just it's just yeah. not that I only did it this year because I was close. Like, yeah. yeah. I hadn't registered Super Mario Galaxy 2 last year because I knew I wasn't going to hit Platinum that year, so I saved it. And then I had the 3DS, which was worth like a couple hundred points, all said and done. Yeah. Um, and then I had some 3DS games and Mario Galaxy. Um, so then I, just, I like, caught up to it real quick, and I was like, well, I may as well do it. Here's a it pro doesn't really tip take that a... long to fill out the surveys. Here's a pro tip for anyone who still has a Blockbuster video nearby, which is increasingly fewer fewer people. Uh, they don't actually take the, um, the right. package have, stuff out of the thing out, out of the box when you rent. Those so many a time. Yeah, if you're yeah. the first person to get it, yeah. Special thanks to Blockbuster for my Metroid Other M code <laughs> that I never bought. <laughs> there's yeah, there's not very many Blockbusters Nor left. We still you. have we still have two in in, in Des Moines. We I, liked Metroid, like I, I liked Metroid Other M. I know you did. I it liked was all right. It, it was good. I played through it in like one week. 
like just played it every day for like a week yeah for a couple hours and i really enjoyed it um you know Zach. It felt like it felt like a 2d metroid game in 3d i felt like it could have done without the the pointy stuff where you go into first person pixel hunts, like yeah it was Zach. it was all right in some points and it was nice to be able to look around and explore for things but in some of the battles there was that one battle like out in that field where that monster pins you down yep. and i must have gone through that battle like 20 times yeah zach if they, if they had removed all of the cutscenes and replaced them with like placeholder images and text on the screen would you have given the game a better score hell yeah yeah, that's the problem. They should yeah, the just—they should pretty bad. never have even bothered with the voice acting. They should have just realized before they released the game that it was horrible. And, and the just, over yeah. over dramatic, like way too Japanese anime cutscenes, the CGI ones. Yeah, and the storyline yeah. that just jumped they didn't around the, didn't really make sense. But the game sense. was good. Yeah, the game <laughs> felt like Metroid. I hundred percent. I thought so. I, I did too. It. And then well, I beat hard that, mode. It wasn't that hard to hundred percent, to be fair, but. I still really enjoy. It. Have you tried hard mode, Mike? No, I probably never will. Okay, it's uh, you I think gotta, I may actually. It's the same. To play it again. It's the same game, but you don't get any upgrades. You know, <laughs> comparing uh, other M to the Prime games, like I rarely get an itch to go replay Prime because I know that when I fire up a Metroid Prime game, I'm in for like a commitment. It's gonna take a <laughs> while, and it's kind of a slow plotting game. I never finished Metroid Prime Two. Like you, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a fun game, but like it's it's just sort of a. It's such a heavy gaming experience. There's a lot of looking around, and it's not very, it's not very exciting most of the time. It's just sort of like, yeah, a, like a very immersive through, experience. The first time you go through, it's great because you like there's this big, great sense of discovery every time you walk. Exactly. Through the room. Yeah. But like and, Metroid Other M is is like hardcore Metroid action, and like honestly, yeah. like if I was to pick a Metroid game to play right now, nine out of ten times would probably be, be Other M, just because yeah, I know speedy. that I can I can just get in there and start shooting things very quickly. Yeah, it's only like six hours or eight hours long, maybe, and you can speed through it real that. quick, and Samus runs nice and fast. She does, yeah. I, th- I think the game will hold up well, just on by virtue of the fact that it's probably a little more replayable than than uh, the Prime games yeah, are. They yeah. made, I mean, they made, they they did their best to make super, well, I guess it's more like Metroid Fusion, because it's yeah. more linear, yeah. but they, it's basically Metroid Fusion in, in a 3D environment, which works really well. It even yeah. has the Nightmare boss. Yeah, that's right, it does have Nightmare, and he was I think really easy in. Oh yeah, I remember he was a bitch in Fusion. He was probably the hardest boss for me in Fusion. Yeah, he was hard. That but stupid yeah, he... way he would shift to gravity. Ugh. Yeah, you fight him <laughs> twice in Other M, but but both times he's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that wraps up our our news coverage. We ended up talking about Metroid Other M from the <laughs> um, Club Nintendo Rewards. Let's Why is there a Metroid reward? Come on. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo that'd be awesome. Acknowledge Metroid's existence. Give me a, barely, give me a fake so. Metroid toy, Zach. I know what kind I, of figurine well, you want for Metroid. Metroid. Uh, that would be great. And Zach wants squeeze a... it and then go. <laughs> Zach desperately wants a zero suit Samus figurine. Yes, oh. I do. <laughs> I know you so well, Zach. <laughs> so uh, last week we talked quite a bit about um, Ocarina of Time 3D because hold on, we hold got on, a Andy. To... Yes. She doesn't have to be wearing her zero suit. Oh my! Oh, man, <laughs> I I kind of she was in a bikini at the end of Super Metroid. It depends on how fast you unwrap the package, I suppose. Huh? <laughs> you get nice. different levels of reward. <laughs> but yeah, last week we talked to Mike about uh, Ocarina of Time 3D, and we've already you know we've we've been talking about this game for about two three weeks now. But <clears> I kind of wanted to just come back to it a little bit because I spent most of my Fourth of July weekend sitting in front of the TV like a good American playing. Uh, Wind Waker. Uh, it's a game that I was playing a little bit of last November. I kind of picked it up and started playing through it and got, you know, how 
you get sidetracked in a game, you just kind of forget to pick it back up. Well, this weekend I was like, you know what? I've been playing Ocarina of Time, and this is stupid because I'm in the middle of another Zelda game. So I put Ocarina of Time 3D down, and I started playing Wind Waker. And I put about probably a good six hours into Wind Waker this weekend, maybe seven or eight, actually. Where are you at? That it? game is awesome. I just got to the Triforce Hunt. Okay. But I decided to put the Triforce Hunt on hold while I just kind of pull up an FAQ and start hunting down shit. Because... Is it just me, or is Wind Waker the game that you can play all the way through and get the fewest amount of heart pieces? Maybe maybe Majora's Mask might actually be worse than that, but, like, I'm pretty sure last time I got through Wind Waker, I, I didn't find more than about... Uh, I'm not sure how many hearts there are total in the game, but, like, I think I was missing most of the second row. <laughs> <laughs> like, most most of the Zelda games, you just kind of come across them more often than that, but Wind Waker, almost all of the the shit for the, for the heart pieces and stuff. It's all optional. Yeah. Like there's just so much, so much content in that game. It's so easy to just not see most of it. Cause I mean, everywhere you look, there's something that's completely unrelated to everything else around it. It's just so segmented and big. There's so much stuff. I remember like, the worst heart piece to get was the one where you have to, uh, take water from the, uh, Deku tree. Oh God. Yeah. Island all, all over the, the map to the little Deku scrubs or whatever they're called. Not a heart piece for that. I've been kind of avoiding that one because I know it's a pain in the ass. It's a little easier with the warp zones, but it's still not easy. You can warp while you're doing it. I was actually thinking maybe you couldn't warp, but I don't really remember. I seem I'm to not recall sure actually that you can't time. warp too. Yeah. Okay. I seem to recall a lot of people bitching about that game, about all the sailing, but I don't understand because you get the warp spell pretty early on. I don't mind the sailing so much. My only real complaint is that there's just so much to do that I get overwhelmed with tasks it's the There's gta like, of the zelda series it's the rare it's yes. the rare collectathon because i get <laughs> joy joy pendants golden feathers skull necklaces oh yeah uh, deku scrubs seeds four different colors worth of chew jelly and they all go in different spots in my inventory and i don't know what to do with any of this shit and like i always try to avoid looking at an faq but like i'm kind of at the point now where like i could beat the game probably with all but one missing of the second row of hearts. And that doesn't seem like the way to play a Zelda game. So I want to at least see this on my TV once, even if I didn't really earn earn the knowledge myself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Like, I don't mind the sailing at all. The sailing is kind of a blast. I it just really like great. the sailing. Like, the way the, the ocean raises and raises and falls against the things in the world. Like, those um, the little, like standalone monster posts out in the middle, middle of the ocean we have to get off your boat and climb the ladder up the way the, the water raises and lowers against that like yeah. just looks fantastic there's so much to love about the way the present the game is presented but i think my biggest complaint about the game is that i just don't feel like the content is like the presentation and and the world design is clearly like out of this world top notch but like the content in the game feels Really, just sort of a letdown. I mean, like even putting even aside that, even that part where you go underwater to the Temple of Time. So uh, no, you go to Hyrule Castle. You go to Hyrule Castle. So that is amazing. that part was like my jaw at the floor down there. It was yeah. like, this is ridiculously cool. Yeah, yeah, it's so so good. And like just the way the world feels, like you see all this stuff happening in the background. There's no loading times, but like it's all really happening. It's not like canned background scenes. Like if there's you know, a, a bad guy in the background, you can see him from, you know, a good five minutes worth of sailing away. It's just, <laughs> it's just fantastic. But yeah, there's just so much to do. Like I, on Windfall Island alone, there's like a million little fetch quests. There's yeah. photography fetch quests, traveling salesman fetch quests. There's decorating um, the town. Yeah. 
the whole like figuring mini game with the, with the camera like really you can never oh. finish yeah there's just no i think you have to have a gba even to finish it so even if i wanted to i probably couldn't at this point <laughs> But I'm 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 loving it. Like there's just so much to do. I never get bored. I'm never working on the same thing for more than a few minutes at a time. So yeah. it doesn't get doesn't really get old. And I'm not really rushing to get to the Triforce hunt because I know that it's also going to come along with the end of the game. You know, track tracking a whole bunch of money down because I mean, that's oh, basically yeah. what it is is trying to pay off Tingle. Apparently he has a mortgage to take care of. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. He has a lot of brothers. I'm trying the one the one thing I'm trying to complete in this game, even if even if I have to go off an FAQ to do it, is I want to get all the C charts. Oh yeah, um, we'll see how we'll see how doable that is. I really haven't gotten to one that I felt was too hard to get yet. I had to go back into the the um, Forbidden Woods Forest Temple and relearn that to get a couple of them. But uh, but that's all right because the game's worth. I mean, the, all the locations are so gorgeous. I don't mean I don't mind seeing them a second time. And I, I did most of that back in November, so I kind of forgotten it all anyway. I've completely forgotten everything about that game. I think when I'm done with Ocarina, I might have to pop it in. Well, like. I, I kind of want to hit uh, Twilight Princess up next, but I'm oh. afraid that if I play Twilight Princess again, it's going to ruin my, like, Zelda burn that I'm kind of saving up for uh, yeah. Skyward I don't Sword. Even, I lost my copy of Twilight Princess. I don't even have it. I bought it, like, on launch. Like, I waited I in line too. for a yeah. Wii. I waited in line for a Wii at a Target overnight. Um, they had We had to wait outside. It was cold as shit, even though we're in Florida. Overnight, um, wow. It was, like, 30-something, and... We were going to go to Walmart, and we got to Walmart at, like, 11, and the line was, like, around the block. And they were like, yeah, we don't have any more, like, oh. people in line are getting them, but that's it. Like, it was a surprise thing where, like, people were anticipating that it was going to be a hot product. So there was line, there were a lot of lines for it. Like, I lined up for a GameCube, and I got there, like, the afternoon, like, and they were launching them at midnight. And I was, like, the third person in line. Yeah. We had a, we had a good old time, um, <laughs> you know, just talking about Nintendo, waiting for our buy, to buy our GameCubes at midnight. And then I did the same thing for the Wii, except when I got there, like a couple hours, because I thought, well, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Like, no one's going to be there for, to buy these things. And there was like an insane line, but we got to Target and we waited overnight. And I got into the store and they had plenty of Wii consoles and they had like almost no accessories and games. Ooh. Um, so yeah. I think they had enough copies of Zelda, but I, I definitely got Zelda um but they didn't have like any extra controllers and stuff. So I had like an extra controller and I got an extra nunchuck and I got two um two retro pads and like i think i bought the only two retro pads they had there might have been like <laughs> one in line for the guy but one in line for the guy behind me but i like bought out everything <laughs> nice so i was really glad that i was there early because that stuff was hard to find for weeks oh months yeah. months yeah even the even the classic controllers were like impossible to find and i had two of them the best buy around the corner from my apartment at the time it was actually selling the Wii remotes early so i got my hand on a Wii remote oh, like cool. two days before launch which was excellent and it sat on your tv stand and you were staring at it every day <laughs> i took a picture of and myself now, like what holding does it do the now it sits on your tv stand <laughs> <laughs> i took a picture of myself holding the Wii remote and nunchuck like all excited for launch and posted it on facebook and everyone was like oh how'd you get that That's i seem awesome. to recall that i've seen yeah. that picture before i'm sure it's still there <laughs> Hasn't been relevant for about you know six years, but it's still there. What I take away from that story, Mike, is that you consider thirty degrees to be freezing cold. Well, that's I'm from New Jersey, and like before I moved to Florida, thirty degrees wasn't that cold. But we were not prepared for thirty degree weather. Oh, okay. Like we were not expecting it to get that cold. It was like a cold snap that day, so oh. we were like, you know, oh, we got like long sleeve shirts on and pants, and we'll be fine. And it was like cold out. Right on. Like, for what we were wearing. Yeah. Well, I know that, like, Twilight Princess has taken a lot of flack in the years since it came out. I know that, you know, people didn't like the look of the game. They didn't like the intro sequence of the game. 
And I don't really remember having problems with the game. In fact, when I played the game, at the time that I was playing it, I did more of the collecting and extra shit in that game than I had for any other Zelda game on, on a first playthrough. I, I loved it from start to finish, and I've been really itching to replay it for the last couple of years. But I was trying to go through all the Zelda games in order, and that's the last one. So I played through everything else first and then got burned out on the franchise before I ever got there. But yeah, now I'm kind of getting my burn back, see, so I've I don't know. I have a huge desire to play Wind Waker again since we've started talking about it, but I have zero desire to play Twilight Princess again. And I don't know Me why, because when I played it, I remembered liking it. The game is just really doesn't like I, the memories don't hold up well apparently because no. no one no one seems to ever want to play that game ever again except for you know apparently what? me. It doesn't set itself out. It doesn't set itself apart from all the other Zelda games. It, right. You turn into the wolf, which is a thing, but but it's stylist- it's a wasted opportunity. Stylistically, it like doesn't fit. Like it's like stylistically, it's kind of like. I remember Ocarina because it was amazing, and this is what Ocarina would have looked like if they made it on a more powerful console, but. The content just isn't as good as Ocarina, so it doesn't yeah. stand up. Got that stupid Whereas Wind Waker, mission. Wind Waker is so stylistically memorable that you could not possibly forget it. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to Skyward Sword in that regard, where it looks like it's kind of the perfect blend between the Wind Waker cartooniness and the you know yeah. adult Link more mature looking kind of. I'm I'm very much looking forward to Skyward Sword. You know, when they showed that Wii demo of the HD Zelda, they showed the like the. First Twilight Princess boss, uh, some big spider. And that's I also thought, the first boss in Ocarina of Time, to be fair. Oh, that's true. But I thought to myself, there was a spider boss in Twilight Princess? See, I don't remember most of that game. Like, yeah, it holds, me neither. It holds no memories for me, whereas Ocarina does, and Wind Waker, like, I can replay that game in my mind. It's so amazing. I think, yeah, I, I, I think I've I made up my mind. I'm probably going to end up playing Twilight Princess next. Yeah. It's probably, probably going you to come at the expense. What you should do is you should try and get the GameCube version so it'll be a little different at least. Yeah, that's yeah, a I good could idea. Probably do that. I could probably do that. You can find uh, it. Yeah, I had a copy of it and I sold it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I found a copy of it new for like 15 bucks in Kmart and I thought that'll go for more online. So that's Zelda. Uh, I guess the other thing I was going to mention is that I was kind of like playing through Wind Waker this weekend, but occasionally I would pick up the 3DS while we were watching TV and play a little bit of Ocarina. And it's actually pretty striking how different the games feel. Um, Wind Waker feels so much more lived in and the presentation feels so much more smooth and polished. And even like even the nice new pretty update of of Ocarina still feels kind of archaic compared to uh, compared to the the, the animation of, of Wind Waker. Ocarina is the first game of that kind. Like it's the first 3D adventure game. It's it's the it's like Mario 64 is the first 3D platformer. So yeah, they you know they mentioned this in that there was a great there was a great Awada asks articles about um, converting Ocarina over, and they mentioned like you know this game like these guys like there were no rules like to, on how to make this kind of game, so they made them all up. Yeah, sure. Like this is how a 3D game works. There's a targeting system for an action adventure game. That didn't exist before Ocarina of Time at all. They invented that as a way to deal with a problem of how do you figure out what you're attacking. Yeah, yeah. sure. And it's brilliant. Yeah. And like, Wind Waker certainly isn't flawless. Like, the fact that it's almost impossible to get killed in the game is certainly a thing. Um, I like the that. Combat. It, just, it just means it doesn't break up the game. That's a very, yeah. very late-era Miyamoto thing. Yeah, this is true. Uh, it kind of makes finding all the heart pieces not really that relevant, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. 
I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting comparison to play to play them both so quickly. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like things about one game and thinking thinking I would mix them up, mix it up with the other and not really having that problem because of how different how wildly different they are. Yeah. Yeah, I just beat but, the Shadow Temple. Okay. Oh, you're going through. Yeah, I really am and uh I had gone back and like gotten the Eye of Truth early cuz you can. Yeah, that's and where I, I am. Like, I haven't forever. even done the I haven't I even gotten to Lake Hyrule s- yet. I spent forever. Yeah, I got it before I went to Lake Hyrule also. Yeah. I spent forever in that stupid well trying to remember yes. how that stupid little dungeon works. Yeah, and there are two locked doors that I can't find the keys to. Check. I had to go through it twice, and I don't know how I missed it the first time, but in that room with all the coffins, one of them has a key in it. Oh. And I went through because I like I was I played it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's a key in this room, and I went through, and I opened all the coffin, and I killed all the stuff, and I didn't find the key because the camera is really hard to get it to look inside the coffins. But I gotcha. thought I had looked in them all properly. And I guess I hadn't because I jumped in one of them and found the key at random. Can you kill the mummies? Yeah. Just play the song of uh, the sun song first. Oh, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. That's an important thing. <laughs> I just got through the forest temple. So I'm heading back to uh to death mountain now, but, and the water temple was so much easier than I remember it. Oh, good. And they didn't do anything to change it other than the fact that you can toggle the boots, which is awesome. And they added color-coded lines to point you to point you in the direction of the switches that change the water level. Oh, nice. So from the main column room in that temple, you can look and see which three paths you need to take to get to the three different switches. Like hitting the, uh, it's like hitting R3 in Dead Space. It is super helpful. Like, that's all they did was they added some color-coded doors <laughs> that point you in the direction. Like, if you go in this door, like five rooms later, you'll be at this switch. And if you go in this door, like five rooms later, you'll be at this switch. And that, that all, that's all it really took to make it not a chore. Well, one wonders why would, they didn't I'm, do that in the first place. They probably didn't think of it. <laughs> I, replayed, I replayed Ocarina on Virtual Console about a year and a half to two years ago at this point now. So that's one of the reasons I'm not like super gung-ho playing through the uh, 3DS remake. And I feel like I'm burning through it. I feel like this game took me months to beat the first time I played it in 1998 and 1999. Oh, yeah. It definitely took oh, yeah. me months to beat yeah, And me I'm like going to burn through it in like a month. Like I didn't really think the, the – I think the Water Temple's reputation sort of like is a little bit out of control because when I replayed it on Virtual Console a couple years ago, like I didn't really feel the Water Temple was that big of a deal. I was really the, dreading it. In the back of your head, you had already beaten it once. This is true. Yeah. This is true. And there's got to be some kind of muscle memory in there that remembers what to do. Yeah. I mean, I, it's 13 years old to me, but – and it still got me a couple times. Like, I had to go through – I probably, like, ended up changing the water level, like, three or four times too many because I fucked it up. Right. And I had to go – because if you fuck it up, you have to go back through, like, the whole thing and change it, like, three more times to get it right to where you want it. But even with that, I still didn't think it took that long. And the boss, Morpha, is, like, the easiest boss in the game. Yeah. I remember Morpha being really easy. The uh the water temple in Twilight Princess is worse than the water temple in Ocarina. I don't even remember it. Oh, and then I just beat, like I said, I just beat the Shadow Temple, and I remember Bongo Bongo killing me like a dozen times before I beat him on the N64, and I beat him on the second try this time. And the only reason I died the first time is because I went in with like three hearts. Zach, isn't the water temple on the uh, Twilight Princess the one where like you walk in and there's like a stairwell, and the yeah. water's rush- rushing down the stairwell? I think so. Yeah. But you still Actually, have to raise and lower the water and grapple around. Dude, and... I, I can't wait to replay Twilight Princess. That game deserves a second chance. I look yeah, forward I think I to... Yeah, I want to give it a second chance now. Oh, God. I look forward to replaying it through your uh, stories about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
Well, let's move on uh, from from our thirtieth hour of Zelda content this month and our, move our weekly to... Zelda cast. Yeah, we got, we got like one more thing to talk about, and that's that Zach and I both kind of dabbled in a little bit of Resident Evil this this last weekend. Um, I actually played on Steam with uh, Nathan Mustafa, good old friend Nathan, who is unfortunately far too busy to grace us with his present on presence on Tuesdays anymore. Um, one of these days we need to do a Saturday morning show so we can actually get on there. Like Nathan's got a weird schedule. Like he's pretty much booked solid during the week, but has no problem getting up at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday <laughs> to play Resident Evil with me or do a podcast then. He's so, uh, he's actually coming up to Anchorage for a conference. and uh, Yeah, so he told me. I hope to do like a pizza cast with him. I'm going to take him out to the Moose's Tooth, which has amazing pizza and beer. Is he going to be, be around on a, on a Tuesday for a newscast episode? I hope so. I believe, be he, awesome. I believe he is. I believe he is. You have enough equipment to do like a two-person podcast there? I, I'll, I'd figure something out. Okay. Even if you have go, go to Best Buy and drop money on like, sec, like a secondary mic or whatever. Oh, I have, I have not, the headset that I used to track. use. Okay. We'll figure, yeah, so we'll figure something out. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that'd be awesome to get him on the show up in Anchorage with you. Uh, but yeah, so Nathan and I had previously played through Portal 2 on Steam uh, slash PS3. And we had talked about, you know, that was really both of our first um, game co-op gaming experiences in a long time, or in my case, really ever. And we were thinking, this would be fun. We could, like, occasionally, like, get together on a Saturday morning and just play through, like, a, a, a game that's been designed for co-op because I don't have a lot of opportunities to do that any other way. So we were looking at all the games that were available, and we talked about Resident Evil. I know, Zach, you and I had talked about playing Resident Evil one of these days, but yes. I just never, never yes. saw it. Never saw it for a good enough price on <laughs> PS3, but then Nathan emails me last Saturday or last like Friday and is like, "It's on Steam for 15 bucks. Wow. Go pick it up." So I went and bought it. He went and bought it, and we fired it up Saturday morning. And first of all, it was complicated. Like, apparently, we we both bought our Steam copies. We fired it up, and the first thing we had to do is register the game through Games for Windows Live. Uh, so I we had to be logged into both Steam and Games for Windows, both of which have separate voice settings so <laughs> it was just really weird but now it's apparently tied to my xbox live gamer score which is kind of cool oh yeah but it was it was fun we played we played about a good two to three hours we got just past that like uh weird looking oily monster you have to trap inside the the furnace so that's like thing. the second level yeah how many levels are there a lot okay We're you eventually you game. eventually have to fight a much harder version of that guy and then you have to fight a building-sized version of that guy. Oh, Jesus, that sounds fun. It is. The The game runs okay on my computer. It, it could probably run a lot nicer, but that's, you know, that's the Steam. That's what happens when you buy it on computer. you got to make do with lower settings sometimes. The I'm playing with the mouse and keyboard since I don't have any easy way to plug my Xbox controller into my PC. Um, and, wow, it's kind of problematic. you you think the game would work out well on a mouse and, con, mouse and keyboard controller layout, but... It really doesn't like. It's weird because when you're moving with the uh, with the the keyboard keys, uh, your mouse turns you far slower than when you're not moving. Oh, that's hard to get used to. But wait, you it, don't you don't turn with the like left right arrow buttons or whatever they I'm, would be. I'm using I'm using the mouse. I'm basically playing it like a like a PC first person shooter. I'm using the mouse to look around okay. and to turn. If, if if I'm moving, it'll turn me. If I'm not moving, it'll just look around. But the the look around camera is a lot faster than the than, than the turn camera, mm. so wh- the the speed of my mouse always depends on whether or not I'm moving when I move the mouse, like if I'm actually moving forward or backward. And it's, that's 
it's kind of been hard to adjust to, but we got a good two hours in or so. It's it's fun. Yeah, I'm, it was look, a I'm looking game. forward to to seeing more of the game. I, it was kind of like after after all the, the the talk about this game just kind of being a Gears of War version of Resident Evil, and you know, yeah. it really wasn't that wasn't that good. Got kind of it got didn't get panned, but it did, certainly didn't get the, the critical acclaim that RE4 did. Yeah. At the end of the day, like about after about an hour or two playing the game, I was like, yeah, this is pretty much RE4, but a little prettier and with the second player. Yeah. Are you? I, pre- I, what did you play as Chris or Sheva? I'm playing a Sheva. I always play a Sheva. Yeah, of course you do, Zach. In her uh, in her tribal outfit that you can uh, buy at the in-game store. Of course you do, Zach. <laughs> of course I do. Need a need a Sheva figure too. Get on that, Capcom. I uh, I still I still kind of prefer the old school Resident Evil games. I'm not I'm not among among the people <laughs> who think that the old Resident Evil games are awful. I like them. I still have very fond memories of the GameCube remake of the first game. Um, it is good. I know that. I know that a lot of people don't, and that's fine. But I kind of wish that game wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility of getting more installments. You know, I didn't really like RE Zero that much because I don't really think Resident Evil is a game that's really made for co-op, at least not the old ones. But not well, even also, co-op the, really. The but... other problem with Resident Evil Zero is that it didn't have some of the gameplay enhancements that Resident Evil Remake did, and it came out later. This that's is true. Stupid. Yeah. It didn't it didn't have the uh the the controller config that I really liked from the first game. I remember that. Or the melee uh, attacks. Sure. But it's fun. I haven't played very much of it yet, but I'm looking forward to trying it out later. Zach, you were playing playing it on PS3 recently, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. My brother-in-law's up and we were looking for some co-op games. Um we would play Portal 2, but I accidentally left that at my buddy's house uh when we were playing it co-op, so uh, I have to go back and get it um before he breaks it or loses it. But We've been playing Resident Evil 5 and we're really just knocking through the game, getting money so that I can upgrade all the guns. I'm pretty sure you must get a trophy for upgrading all the guns um, and unlocking infinite ammo for everything uh, so that I can 100% the game. Um, and it's really fun. He, it took him a little while to adjust to the controls as it you know would anybody. Sure. Um, I, don't think he, I don't think he really likes that you can't strafe while you shoot. And I understand that, you know, he comes from like a Gears of War, kill zone kind of shooter mentality. So it is annoying that you can't strafe, but no, it's really fun. And we actually uh, sat down and played Mercenaries co-op and that's really fun. Like if you get, once you get used to the controls and the, and the the enemy types, um, I mean, dude, like you get. You get a certain, because you get graded at the end of that, too. You get a certain score. So we'd get a certain score, and we'd be like, we can friggin' beat that. And, you know, we go right back in. So, no, it's it's really fun. You get, If you guys haven't tried it yet, you should try Mercenaries. Once you get used to the game. The only thing that makes me hesitant about Mercenaries is the fact that, honestly, the part of the game I enjoy the most is the narrow hallways, cool atmosphere, and quieter parts of the game. Oh, yeah. I, I don't like that in Mercs. Yeah, I don't like the horde horde parts of the game where you're being bum rushed by you know eighty zombies. That that part is it's too difficult on the controls. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not used to the controls enough to be able to handle it. Like me and Nathan had to replay. There's a segment early in the game where you have to fend off a zombie attack while you're you're, you're stuck in this house and there's a axe guy that comes after you and yes, um, you have to last. That for part maybe about, does suck because it just to, throws you into a horde mode right there. 
Right, like, you don't have any time to get used to the controls at all, and you're already fighting off, like, a giant attack squad yeah. of, of zombies and one unkillable axe guy. Um, so, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy that, because I was still kind of trying to get used to the controls and having to fight for my life and still try to keep uh, Nathan within within sight so that we could heal each other if we needed to, but trying, but, but not really able to understand what was going on well enough to even really have a good idea of how the map was laid out. Yeah. Um, but. Now, now, one quick thing I'll, I'll tell you. If you guys replay that mission and you stick close together, uh, if you guys get the big axe guy, like, down on his knees, like, shoot him in the head enough and he'll kind of take a knee, you both run up to him. You can do, like, combo melee attacks that really do a ton of damage. Does it actually kill him? Well, the combo melee, like, one combo melee attack won't, but it'll really take down his health. And if you do it every time he takes a knee, I mean, he'll go down quick. I was under the impression he was actually unkillable. Nope, you can kill him, and he gives you a nice big treasure if you do. Oh, nice! Because I hit him with like an incendiary grenade, and he didn't really even seem to flinch. So yeah, oh, if well. you, once you find like magnums, the whole game is really easy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> how much of a how much of a deal is uh, ammo conservation in this game? Because it kind of seems like it's been kind of a deal so far, but I wonder if eventually you've got enough money that it's not really a problem. It depends on the gun. Um, okay. Magnum ammo is really scarce, uh, which is understandable because it kills everything. Um, grenade launcher ammo is scarce, but the the three and and sniper rifle ammo is pretty scarce. But the three big guns, shotgun, handgun, and uh, assault rifle, are real are super uh, uh, common. Sure, sure. And grenades too. I get the impression Neil's listening to this episode being, talk about Nintendo stuff, damn it. Uh, I guess sorry. then I shouldn't talk about <laughs> Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, actually, uh, Clint and I have both been playing a little bit of uh, a little bit of Magic. I, uh, Rules of the Planeswalkers. Not real Magic, because you can't build your own decks in it. See, I actually but... got back into Magic just a couple of months ago, the card game, at, at a friend a friend of mine was playing it and I picked up a deck to play a game with him and I was like I kind of want to I kind of want to get back into it but like I don't have anybody to play with here and I, I emailed Johnny Metz and I was like Johnny Metz tell me about Magic Online like is that, that a thing I should look into and he kind of laid it out he was like it's not any cheaper than the card game so unless yeah, you plan you on spending money Magic don't. Online is that all the cards cost the exact same amount that they would cost on the resale market in the real world but the cool thing is that you could swap the real cards for digital cards. All you have to do is mail them to ma- to wizards or vice oh versa. Oh my god! So if you've got like a really awesome card digitally, you can like pay the shipping fee and they'll like send you an actual copy of it. But then you lose. But it But then your... you lose it in the digital. Yeah, game. I don't like the idea of having either or. Like if it was. But both... it's nice that you can swap them in and out. Yeah, that's that's true. But like we were talking in an email, like the the whole like duels of the planeswalker thing is that you can play the game without worrying about trying to collect spend yeah. the money to collect a better deck which yeah, is actually it basically fun. gives you i think i think it gives you the entire 2012 core set which actually isn't even out yet it comes out later this month on paper but it gives you the i think it gives you the whole 2012 core set um divvied up among like 12 pre-made decks hmm. so you can pick from the pre-made decks and play with each other like that but there's no way to build your own though you can customize the decks by subbing in and out cards but you can't like build one from scratch or even customize one so it's totally new really isn't that the whole point though well the thing about duels of the planeswalkers is it's only ten dollars right so So if you don't mind yeah you don't mind skipping out on right and it lets you play magic and it lets you play with all these 
cards that are really fantastically awesome <laughs> that would normally cost you like a lot of money to get in reality, but yeah. they're locked down inside Duels of the Planeswalkers. You can't swap them out for real cards like you can with Magic Online. It's worth noting that Magic the Gathering so. is basically two games. It's the game of collecting cards, and it's the game of playing a game with the cards you've collected. Like Pokemon. Duels, right. Duels well, of the, the Planeswalker offers you one of those. So if that's the one the nice that you thing care about, about, then... Duels of the Planeswalkers is it might actually help your real Magic game because it teaches you how to play against certain styles of decks. Right. And, oh. like, we were talking about Magic on the 4th of July yesterday, or the other day, um, and we were, uh, we were saying, like, Magic is, like, there's three parts of Magic... Part of it is the financial game of you need to be able to spend enough money if you want to play the best players because you need to buy the best cards and the, a really good deck can cost you a couple hundred dollars, even though a couple, even though a majority of that money is in is sunk into like three or four cards. Yeah. Right. And then the other hundred dollars is like the other fifty something cards in the deck. Um, the second part is you need to be able to recognize every tournament caliber deck type out there. What, by turn three of the game, if you don't know what kind of deck your opponent is playing, you're not going to beat him. You need to know what kind of deck he's playing, and you need to know how to beat that kind of deck. So you need to be able to identify your opponent without knowing, without having ever met him, like three turns into the game. And then the third one is actually knowing how to play the game. Right, right. And, and deck building, slash deck building. But you can, get a, you can get a list of cards for a deck on the internet and build the best deck available, and you just need to teach yourself how to play that deck. I, I've only played the original Duels of the Planeswalker on Steam. I'm kind of curious, is the new one really worth picking up? I mean, is it, is it anything more than a card roster update? I guess, I mean, it's mostly just a card roster update. I don't know what it's like on Steam, but the, the original version is free to PlayStation Plus members, which is basically everybody right now because of the I forgot to do it. <laughs> crash. Well, you could still do it. I thought, yeah, so. no, until the end of June to sign up. Oh, I guess you did. It is July yeah, now. I, I missed uh, the boat. So I got it, and I was like, this is really good, but the load times are horrendous. It's like three-something minutes to load up a freaking card game. And the initial load is like five minutes, and it doesn't make any sense why there's so much loading. There's no real textures to load into this. It's just cards. I don't understand where the load times are coming from. Yeah. Um. So this, the 2012 edition still has load times. They're nowhere near as bad, but they're still way longer than they should be for a freaking card game. Yeah, uh, but they're much speedier. They're like infinitely speedier compared to the 2011 version. So, I don't know what it's like on Steam, but on PlayStation, it's worth it just for the load times. And I, I only played a little bit of the first one before. I was like, screw this. I'm just gonna buy the 2012 version because of my PlayStation Plus is gonna expire, which means I won't be able to play the 2011 version anymore. Yeah, because it's locked to your account if you get it for free. But this. 2012 version was on sale for PlayStation Plus members, which means I legitimately paid money for it, so I will still be able to play it after my subscription expires. Right. Nice. And it's the exact amount of Magic I want to play. Like, I don't want to spend the financial investment, but I really want to play Magic, and it solves that problem. That's exactly why I bought it. I just can't. What's build the my regular own deck. price for the for the for the new game? Is it 15 or 10? It's 10 dollars, but it's eight or set eight right now for PlayStation Plus members. No, that doesn't help me. But 10 is not, not bad. As, I think it's 10, at least. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the original one, you could buy DLC that basically unlocked all the decks that you're having to play yeah, through the game. You which can is, do that in the new one yet, but the DLC is not available yet. It seems kind of silly. I, I enjoyed trying to unlock cards by winning by winning yeah, battles, but I got, about, I got about 10 battles into the, into the campaign and found it getting to be pretty difficult. Um, so I started trying to replay old battles to unlock cards. I think you can do that, can't you? Yeah, you can. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, this one is I mean, I'm I'm through the main campaign. I'm on the secondary revenge campaign, which is a lot harder. 
Um, it's I think in the all the decks start with forty cards, and you can unlock up to like sixteen more. Right. So once you add the land in, it's like a sixty card deck. Once you've unlocked them all, so in the first round through, you're playing against all the the forty card versions of all the twelve decks in the game. And the second time through on the revenge campaign, you're playing through the sixty card versions of all the decks, which are way better and also much more difficult because the first time you're playing, you've got forty cards, they've got forty cards, and they haven't like they don't have all their super cards unlocked because you're playing the base version. But the second time through, you've unlocked like maybe half of the cards for your deck, but you're playing against the fully unlocked decks, so they're all way more powerful. Right. Mm. I'm going to have to get this on PS3. If I do, we'll have to play online. Yes. I would call you both nerds, but when I was a teenager, I uh, spent every spare dime I had on Pokemon cards. And I was in the Pokemon League, and I won two badges before the League was disbanded in favor of some other card game. I never uh, played much tournament magic. I played a little bit in college. I did some drafting because drafting is the only way I can compete. I couldn't compete in pre-constructed deck because everyone would have way more money and time and time to strategize yeah, than I did. Yeah. But drafting is good because drafting evens the playing field on that regard. But I started playing magic like when Ice Age was out, which is like one of the first expansions. <laughs> Ten years so, ago or so, yeah. I think 15 even. I think It came out in the mid-90s. I was in like middle school at summer camp at nerd science summer camp and some kids were playing magic and I was like, this looks cool. <laughs> and then I lost a lot of money over the next <laughs> 20 odd, 20 odd years. Zach, I think it's probably worth pointing out that there's something to be said about pots calling kettles black when you try to call someone a nerd on a video game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, there was a game boy color game that had, it was the Pokemon card game and it was uh, the first three, uh, sets of the Pokemon card game, and I played the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. I never played that game. It's good. I played the Star Wars customizable card game a lot. My, I have friends I who have played the uh, Star hundreds. Trek customizable card game. I have hundreds of Star Wars CCG cards. <laughs> hundreds. And some really fantastically good ones, too. But oh, yeah. the game is dead. So I played a little bit of Spellfire based on the D and D universe, but that was a really messily put together game. I think I even had a deck of the SimCity collecting card, collecting card game back Sim when I was in high school. CCG? Yeah, you can imagine. Uh, there was, was a time very after Magic blew up in like the mid to late nineties. Everything had a customizable card game. For like I guess a year there was an Alien vs. Predator CCG that I bought and loved. Yeah, sounds about right. Didn't yeah, really Mike's right. There was there was one though. for everything. There was an anime based one called Anna Mayhem that I played a little bit of. <laughs> anyway, I think uh, I think that's probably a newscast. Sure. Sounds like it. Excellent. Well, come email us at at newscast at nintendoworldreport.com. Go review us on iTunes. I'd probably I provide links, but they're all gonna be in the show post, so go talk talk back on the show post and the forums and uh, send us a note and uh, we'll get back at you next week. So we'll see you guys. We'll Peace see you next kids. time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.